And now, The Mentors, one of the most popular and unique shows on the radio today. Each week, one of our four remarkable CEOs, including Tom Lord, John Phillips, and Rick Brutico, will challenge your thinking about life and work. Sought after for their success and for consistently putting people first, treating employees and customers with respect, and helping others succeed, now these same CEOs, the mentors, want to help you achieve your highest level of profitability, success, and personal fulfillment in life, at work, and in business. Now, here's your mentor. Hi, welcome to the Mentors Radio Show, where rotating CEOs, hosts challenge your thinking about life and work. I'm John Phillips, your host for today, and I'm really glad you joined us. We have a great show planned for you. We'll be talking with my good friend, Chris Smith, about harnessing the power of your story to increase sales. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll learn a lot that we can apply to our work and business right away, so don't touch that dial. But before we get started, I want to remind you, Call or email us. Yes, you can do that. We want to hear your questions and your concerns. It's important to us. That's what we're here for. We're here for you. You can send us a note, give us a call, anytime, day or night, and you can find show notes, podcasts, links to our sponsors, and much more, all free at TheMentorsRadio.com. Take a second, grab a pen and paper, write it down. You know you'll want it later. Find us online at TheMentorsRadio.com. That's TheMentorsRadio.com. Okay, let's get started. Today's guest is Chris Smith. Chris is an entrepreneur, speaker, and brand expert, raised in a ranching and rodeo family. Today, he helps businesses of all sizes create stories within their business and expose their stories to the world to create growth. Chris has spoken to numerous Fortune 500 companies across the country, thousands of college students, business associations, and presented at one of the largest entrepreneurial conferences in 2016 in Bombay, India. Chris, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, John. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. I got to ask you, Chris, how does a rancher from Pima, Arizona, who actually heals steers really well, Get into teaching entrepreneurs how to tell their story. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I guess the only way I can answer it is by telling you a little bit about my story. So I'm a fifth-generation Arizona native, which if you're from Arizona or the West Coast, you know that that is um, a long time to be an Arizona native. Uh, most most people have been here maybe maybe one generation. So my family got here in the 1870s one of the first families in Arizona. And so I grew up in this ranching, farming, rodeo family, and I grew up around cowboy storytellers. And ever since I was young, I was just really fascinated with storytelling. And more than just storytelling, I was really fascinated with the ability of story to influence people, like influence their decisions or influence their mood or influence outcomes. And so I just really loved it. And as a kid, I would... I'd make up stories just to see if I could get my friends to do stuff. Like I got, I got us in all kinds of trouble. I was always getting in trouble for talking too much in class. Um, and at the year in school assembly in sixth grade, when the teacher's making up awards to give you for things you've accomplished throughout the year, I got the award for least likely to be found in my seat. <laughs> um, because I was never in my seat. I was always up telling stories, talking to kids. So 
you know, so it was really a lot of my roots, John. And then, you know, with just kind of a natural inclination around story and talking to people, I just, as I got older, I kind of naturally went into, into sales. You had quite a bit of success at sales, but at some point you decided to start a company called the campfire effect. Uh, if you look at the campfireeffect.com, it kind of tells a little bit more about the story. Uh, one of the things that I found interesting is you wear a bolo tie. What's the significance of the bolo tie? Yeah. So, uh, my great grandfather, Jack Gable, um, he was just a really profound influence in my life. Just a really amazing man. And, you know, he, he was born in, uh, early 1900s. And so he saw a lot until he was in the nineties. Um, so he lived through the great depression and so many other things in our country. And, you know, one of the things I always respected about my great grandfather is what he stood for. Like, and so that when he when he passed away, he gave me one of his bolo ties. And so, you know, I wear that when I speak often. And to me, it just reminds me of who I am. Like, it reminds me of where I come from. It reminds me of what I stand for. It reminds me of what I want to be known for. Um, the other thing is, my great grandfather Jack Gable, he registered a, a cattle brand with the state of Arizona in the 1950s called the K Cross brand. And that brand has now been passed down to me, and I own that brand. And that's actually the name of my my, my company, my entity, um, is, is K-Cross. And then the methodology I teach is the campfire effect. But, you know, John, for me, the K-Cross brand, it represents more than just, like, the brand that my grandfather used to put on cattle. Like, it represented what he stood for as a man in his community. It represented what he stood for as a family man, as a husband, as a father, as a grandfather. And it represented what he stood for in business. And so when I wear that bolo tie, like, that's what I think of. And to me, you know, an, a company's brand and their story, unfortunately, a lot of times people look at a brand or a story, they just think marketing, advertising. But when I look at a company's brand and their story, I think about my family, my roots. Like, it represents so much more than that. It represents who you are. It represents what you stand for. It represents what you're going to offer the world. So... Yeah, I just I wear that bolo tie to kind of just remind me of all those things. You know, when you talk about branding, and you're right, we all think about marketing as direct mail, social media, uh, ads in trade magazines, trade show booths, all those things. And all are part of marketing, of course. But it seems that I worked on that for years myself. And we had a lot of success. We grew and grew. But it wasn't until... I actually started thinking about it a little bit differently after meeting with you, Chris, that we started telling more of the story, creating the culture that we wanted to have, uh, and, and the branding and the storytelling be a reflection of really who we are and let people know. Everybody's going to read advertisements and they're going to see, you know, that you've got the best price, the best work, blah, 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 but they never go into depth about who you are. And I found that your, your storytelling has really helped us be able to get the point across who we are. We're not just a stained glass studio. We're not just another company. We live it. We want to tell about who we are. We want people to be comfortable with us. People buy from who they're comfortable with and who they know. Being able to tell the proper story about who you are, I think is quite beneficial to getting customers to buy from you, uh, trust you and want to want to work with you. Yeah, absolutely. John, one of the things I always say, you know, whenever, you know, a lot of times when I'm giving a keynote presentation or speaking to a group, I'll start my presentation with, you know, a pretty bold 
belief, and that is I say, I believe that your story is the most powerful way for you to grow your business. Build your culture, improve performance, and increase sales. That's a pretty bold belief. Like, I'm, I'm, So basically what I'm saying is the most powerful way to grow your business in the areas of improving your culture, improving performance, and increasing sales is your story. And what I tell people is I see storytelling, I think, much deeper than most. I think a lot of people, like you said, John, and maybe like you looked at this earlier in your career, was a lot of people view story as like a marketing exercise or a branding strategy or an advertising tool. And while it certainly is effective for those things, like the most effective marketing, branding, and advertising includes story, I believe that it goes way deeper than that. Like your story is the foundation of everything you are. Yes. Your story is the foundation for everything you represent, your beliefs and your values. It's like where you come from. And so a lot of organizations, you know, it's amazing to me how many organizations I go into and I talk with their salespeople, and 75, 80% of the salespeople don't even really know the story of the company. They don't know the year it was started. Chris, let's hold that started. thought right now. We need to take a short break. You're listening to The Mentors. We are speaking with Chris Smith of the Campfire Effect. When we return, Chris... We'll teach you more about how to do your brand and increase sales by telling a story. See you after the break. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Hi, welcome back. You're listening to The Mentors Radio, where CEOs challenge your thinking about life and work. Remember, you can send us a note, find show notes, podcasts, and link to sponsors, all free at TheMentors.com. Write it down. You know you'll want it later. That's TheMentorsRadio.com. I'm John Phillips, your host for today. 
We're talking with Chris Smith about how to tell your story and increase sales. Before the break, Chris was speaking with us about the importance of storytelling and how much more powerful it is than regular marketing. Yeah, so one of the things I was sharing, John, that I, I just really believe is that, like, your story, again, it's, just, it's deeper than marketing, it's deeper than advertising, it's deeper than branding. It's, it's the foundation for everything you are. It's the foundation for everything you're going to create, your values, what makes you unique, why someone would buy from you as opposed to competition. And I'm amazed, you know, when I go into companies, I bet 80% or more of the salespeople that I talk to don't really know the story of the company. They don't know the year the company was started. They don't know why it was started, how it was started. And, you know, the three things that I would talk about is the three C's, clarity, confidence, and connection. So I would say that any, any business owner listening to this, you want to have a culture where you're, everyone inside the culture is very confident about the company and the growth and the, and the direction. They're very confident about who they are within the business. And they have a deep sense of connection to the business and they have a deep sense of connection to their customers. So we all want that confidence and that connection in our business. But the piece that's missing a lot of times is that clarity. And so one of the first things that we do when we go into a company is we sit down with the leadership team and we say, like, are you guys really clear what your story is? Like, do you know the story? The actual story of how your company started? Because most origin stories are very inspiring. Like most, most companies, the way they were started required a lot of sacrifice and a lot of risk and a lot of effort and, you know, just really inspiring stories. And I, I don't think it's possible for your employees, especially yourself people, I don't think it's impossible for them to be fully confident and connected to the company without knowing the company's story. And then they're, they're going to go out and then tell that story. And so, you know, John, you talked about something earlier where I don't care what industry you're in. For the most part, people buy from people instead of company. Like Associated Craft, so you know, and Will Howler, you know, John's, John's, you know, company is the largest stained glass studio in the world, and they're amazing at what they do. And yet, if one of John's salespeople is out talking about what they do, there could be another salesperson from another stained glass company that's talking about what they do. And without the story, it, they could sound very similar, right? Because technically, there's not a whole lot that differentiates us uh, around what we do. Like in my business, I teach companies how to tell their story. Well, there's a lot of other people technically in my same industry that teach people how to tell their story. So it's not just what we do that makes us unique, but it's like who we are. But exactly. if someone can there's understand so much. the story behind John's company and like why they do this and like the roots and the history and where they come from, and especially if, that's, if the storyteller, the self-person, has the confidence and the clarity, they know how to better connect with people. That's what really makes a difference. We're so much more, every company is, every successful company is especially, is so much more than just the best price, the best work, and the stuff that you see in advertising. Every good company that I've been to has this story behind them from the start to the people that came up. I've taken this so serious that just recently, just in the last week, we've actually, over the last two years, wrote a book about our studio for the last hundred years. And it's not about the ownership uh, which it does have that in it as well, but it's more about the people. So we went back, clear back to the late 1800s, and wrote a book on the legacy of Willett Hauser Architectural Glass, how it started, the merger of the Hauser Art Glass Company with it, and then eventually to the purchase by, of, of uh, Associated Crafts in 2014. But I deliberately wanted to tell the complete story. Everybody advertises, you know, we're about us. And it's about who owns it, the few little highlights throughout the milestones. We actually went back through the history and found significant members of the team all along, from 
famous designers to people that worked in the shop to people that glazed windows to people that worked in the field the husband and wife teams that were in there and it was amazing to see all the characters involved in the creation of this studio over time and i know that this studio is not unique there's many many businesses that have those similar stories and all the focus is on about the name of the studio the brand of the studio the people that own the studio and maybe some of the key people but the reality is all these employees are key so that's why we took and we wrote this book and this book has become a great asset to teach our customers who we are let people who are historians read about us but it's also helping our own people understand who they come after you got somebody that's working on a table or just entered just entered an apprentice program it's nice for them to look back about 60 years ago and read about the story of the person who actually invented that pro apprentice program that he's working in and all that institutional knowledge that's been passed down so i understand the brand you know, I, I've understood after working with Chris just how important this is to let people know who you are. And I think it's a very powerful tool. Number one, to inspire your people and also to to help your customers. And many, many good businesses out there have such great stories. And I hope that Chris can help you understand how to teach that story. Yeah, John, to that point you just said, like... <laughs> It's, it's, I've, I've yet to meet a business or work with a company that doesn't have an amazing story. Like, so that's not the issue. Like, the issue is never that the company doesn't have an inspiring story. It's, it's, it's that it's not being told, right? Like, most companies have a really amazing story that's really inspiring that people could really gather around and get excited about, but they're just not telling it. And some of it is overwhelming because they don't know how to tell the story. They don't know how to put all the pieces together. But I want to go back and touch on something that, you know, John, and you guys putting this book together, you know, I talk about the three C's, clarity, confidence, and connection. At the end of the day, we really want our clients and customers to feel confident that, that, that we're going to deliver. Like, you know, I, I always ask people, what do you think, what do you think clients and customers want to know more than anything? Right? Like, it, it, our entire story, all of our marketing campaigns, everything that we can tell them. But at the end of the day, what do they want to know more than anything? They can trust and, you. Yeah, that they can trust you. Like, they want to know that you're going to actually do what you say you'll do. So it always comes back to the same answers. Like they want to know that you can help them. And so th the way I always say it, John, is our customers really want to know two things. First, they want to know, can you help me? Like truly, can you really deliver? Can I trust you? And then secondly, how? How are you going to help me? If you say yes, then how? And, and so, they, so that confidence, they just want to have confidence that we can help them, that they can trust us. And then they want to have a sense of connection to us. Like they don't want to just be another number. They don't want to just be another customer, another invoice. They really want to feel like they have a connection with somebody. And so what's interesting about that is I don't know how you can build a customer base that has confidence and feels connected without having a sales team that first has confidence and feels connected. Right. It's like, yeah. you're never going to have a customer base that's more confident, more connected to your brand than your own sales team. And so what you've done, John, creating this book, yeah, you've now given the opportunity to customers to really get to know who you guys are and build confidence because of your history and your track record and your process and really feel connected to your story. But me, to me, even bigger than that is you've really given your, all of your employees an opportunity to really understand who you guys are because the more they understand who you are and where you come from, the more confident they have in your ability as a, as a, as a company they're working for.
the they stronger also get, the connection they personally feel. Yep, they, they get to be part of that too. So I think it is an inspiring opportunity for them to be be part of something bigger, understand what they're part of, be proud in what they're part of. And when they know the story and they see everything that goes into it and everything that's behind it, they have the confidence, the understanding, and that shines through to the customer. Customers do not buy for price. They do not buy for the marketing ads. They buy from people they trust. Telling your story correctly allows them to trust you. After the break, we're going to have a caller. We're going to put Chris to the test. We've got a lady that's got a business that started, has got some questions. We'll need to take a short break. You are listening to The Mentors. We're speaking with Chris Smith of The Campfire Effect. When we return, Chris will answer some questions about how you can tell your story. We'll see you after the break.
And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Hi, welcome back. You're listening to The Mentors Radio, where CEOs challenge your thinking about life and work. Remember, you can send us a note, find show notes, podcasts, and links to sponsors, all free at TheMentorsRadio.com. I'm John Phillips, your host for today. We're talking with Chris Smith about learning how to tell your story. Chris, before the break, uh, we had a caller come in, and uh, we've got Catherine on the line from Northern California. Catherine, welcome Hi. to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Catherine, I understand that you're a new yoga teacher. Been yeah. teaching for a few years. Yeah, I've been teaching about full-time for two years in the Bay Area and about five years part-time in other parts of the country. I am going to put Chris on the spot right here. And Chris, I want you to help Catherine tell her story a bit. Okay, give our I listeners a little. Yeah, give our listeners a little idea how your program works and how they can, can kind of work this on their own to help them get their stories out there. Perfect. Hello, Catherine. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you today? I'm good. Um, so the thing I'm going to take you through quickly is it's a story formula that uh, I created called the five forces of storytelling. Okay. So one of the things that, well, l- let me ask you this, Catherine, have you experienced any kind of, have you had any challenges in telling a story or putting your story together or talk to me where you're at with like the story of your business or how you currently talk about it to people? Yes. Well, uh, it's uh, incredibly challenging for me to have a story for my business since I don't actually have a clear business uh, byline. So, yes, short answer. Okay. And right now with your yoga business, do you have a studio? Do you train out of someone else's studio and have one-on-one clients or group clients? How does that work? Okay. So, yeah, I have um, one-on-one clients. I have groups that are private. I teach at different private studios and also public classes as well. So I'm kind of um, all over the place, which is part of the challenge I'm having as uh, a new yoga teacher trying to stand out in a a quite saturated market of yoga teachers in the Bay Area. Okay. Now, when you say say I'm a little bit all over the place, talk to me a little bit. Talk to me about that. Sure. Yeah. So I have been told that the best model for being a successful yoga a yoga teacher is to find a niche and a population that really you can uh, cater to. And right now, as a relatively new yoga teacher, realistically, that's not quite where I want to go with my business model is immediately starting with just one population. And also, um, realistically, I am teaching a few special populations already. So at, uh, like, a mental health facility, I'm also teaching at um, uh, various centers, physical therapy centers for women with incontinence and pelvic floor disorders. I teach seniors, and I teach people with physical disabilities and mental uh, challenges. So I'm all over the place, literally. I'm a professional driver, not really, but sort of, and uh, driving to different locations for these um, public and private classes. Gotcha. Okay, so so some of the challenges sound like is how do I tell the story of my business when I'm not yet really clear what my business is and it's still like <laughs> evolving and evolution, right? Bingo. 
Okay. So we've never been there before, have we, Chris? No, never, never. I knew, I knew from the day I started exactly what I wanted to do, and I never looked back, Catherine. Oh, okay, I'm getting a little bit of sarcasm there, maybe? Yeah. No, okay, maybe a lot. It's, it's the entrepreneur's dilemma. Like, so one of the things that I believe, so this is, I'm, I'm so glad, like, that you in particular are calling in, Catherine, because another common misconception that I see people make around story, because, again, most people just see stories like a marketing campaign. They don't really understand how powerful it is, and so... One of the things that I believe is you're never going to make sense of opportunity by looking at opportunity. And here's what I mean by that. You right now are this, you know, you're an entrepreneur, you're really excited, you're, you've been teaching full-time for two years, and you're exploring these different possible niches, and you're driving all over San Francisco, and you're doing all these cool things, and you're really trying to find yourself. And, and the reality is, Catherine, there's probably no shortage of opportunities or, or directions you could take your business in, correct? Correct, yes. Yeah, like, that's part of the challenge, right? Like, there's so yeah. many things I could do, but which of these opportunities, like, should I pursue or do I pursue all of them? And then the challenge is, if you pursue all of them, have, have you ever had the nagging feeling in the back of your mind, Catherine, as you're driving all over town, literally? Have you ever had, like, maybe I should just pick a niche? Yeah, but... Right. Yeah, yeah. But then on I the have. other side, the flip side of that is, when you start thinking about picking a niche, then you're like, well, no, but I don't know, I... I want to keep exploring because I'm not quite sure what I want to do yet, right? So it's like this, it's just like constant struggle we have in our minds, right? Correct, yes. It's like we second-guess ourselves because if we pick a niche, then we think about all the other businesses we could be doing. And if we, if we do all the other businesses, we think about how the fact that we should pick a niche because we're overwhelmed. <laughs> and so it's just like this vicious cycle. And what I, so my point is I don't think it's possible to make sense of which opportunity you should do by looking at the opportunity because as entrepreneurs, almost all opportunities look good to us. Hmm. Like, we are masters of justification. Like, I can justify <laughs> that I should go do every one of those businesses because I'm good at all of them. And just because you could do it doesn't mean you should, right? Right. So here's my point to all of this. I believe that a lot of people do it backwards. I believe there's a lot of people in your situation that look at the opportunities and go, okay, which one would I like to do the most? Or which one do I think has the most opportunity? All right, I'm going to pick seniors. Like you mentioned, the senior living facility as one, right? Yes. I'm going to pick that as my niche. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to make my story fit around it. So now that I know what my business is, now I can go develop my story. But I'm developing my story based off of my niche. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, and you may already start to sense some of the challenges with that is it may not really be the most impactful story, and it may not even be a real, real authentic story because you've built a story based off of a marketing opportunity. You right, built the right. story based off of the niche you thought would be the best, right? Yeah. So my advice and what I try to help my clients with is I say, look, let's just push pause on all the noise, all the opportunities for just a second. Let's just step away from all of them and get really quiet. Let's step away from all of that noise. And what if we really figure out like our authentic story, like who we really are, why we love what we do so much, what makes us unique in what we do? And what if we get really, really clear? Because the three C's you'll hear me talk about, Catherine, is clarity, confidence, and connection. So it all starts with clarity. So let's pretend that we helped you get really, really clear in your story. And then that became like a new set of glasses that you put on. It's like a lens that you look at. So now you view all of these different opportunities through the lens of your own story. And now you simply just pick the opportunity that's most aligned with your authentic story. Even if it's not the best quote unquote opportunity. And 
it may be that there's two or three of those opportunities that are really aligned with your story. My point being is you can let go of all that pressure and just say, like, look, I know that the opportunities I'm pursuing are in alignment with my story of who I really am. So, like, when you said earlier, like, it's hard for me to pick a business because I – or it's hard for me to tell my story because I haven't picked a business. I might argue it's hard for you to pick a business because you don't know your story. Yeah. Yeah. And so – can I take you through a little exercise and maybe we can just help you with a little bit of clarity here on this? Oh, Let's please. hold that exercise. We've got to take a short break here in a minute, but I really like where you're going with this, Chris. Uh, Catherine, can you stick with us until after the break and go through that exercise with Chris? Absolutely. All right. We need to take a short break. You're listening to The Mentors. We're speaking with Chris Smith of The Campfire Effect. When we return, Chris is going to take Catherine through a little quest for more information to teach her how to tell her story. See you after the break. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Hi, welcome back. You're listening to The Mentors Radio, where CEOs host challenge your thinking about life and work. Remember, you can send us a note, find show notes, podcasts, and link to our sponsors, all free at TheMentorsRadio.com. Write it down. You know you'll want it later. That's the mentorsradio.com. I'm John Phillips, your host today. We've been talking with Chris Smith. On the line, we have a caller, Catherine, who is a yoga teacher in Northern California. And Chris is about to take her through some exercises that will help her learn how to determine her story so that she can tell, increase her sales. Go ahead, Chris. Okay, Catherine. So it's the five forces of storytelling. So I'm going to take you through a force at a time. And we're going to rapid fire this a little bit for the sake of time, okay? All right, let's do it. So the first force is who you are. So what I'm looking for here, Catherine, is 
can you tell me something about just a little bit about who you are, like maybe growing up childhood? And when I, so when I say who you are, it's like childhood through maybe like high school. Is there anything about you as a child or who you were growing up that is connected to yoga? Like, were you interested in yoga as a child? Were you fascinated with some aspect? I wasn't, but I was really into movement and using my body and also being outdoors, which is not quite the yoga studio, but uh, we can imagine that it is. Okay, <laughs> so what, what was it about movement as a child that you loved? Oh, uh, well, I loved just, I loved sports. I loved like playing in trees and, um, you know, going in the ocean and boating. And, and so just the movement and the connection to my physical body and, also the relationship to, um, you know, to the natural world and using that as a perspective that um, uh, to get me outside of or away from the kind of the mental clutter that sometimes, you know, school can uh, introduce. Mm. Okay, perfect. So here's why we would tell someone a little about who you are that maybe has nothing to do with your business. It's about human connection and trust, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the first force. The second force is, so who you are, now it's why you do it. So what was it along your own journey and your path in life that had you discover yoga? Obviously, you didn't wake up one day and decide to be a yoga instructor, right? Right, right. So tell me that really, really quickly. Um, It created um, or brought some sense of sanity into a really um, insecure and not very pleasurable time of life when I was in grad school, actually. So you had this really stressful, unpleasant, insecure time of life in grad school. Um, And how did you discover yoga? Um, Oh, well, I had a friend that was kind of funny, and he, when we were hiking on the beach one day, he just forced me to learn how to do headstand and uh, tried to do headstand every day after that and finally made made my way into yoga studio a couple years later and uh, enjoyed the aspect of being around other people without the expectation of much social interaction, just a way to be part of the world outside of the realm of my computer and research, and uh, yet also get the experience of uh, being kind of compassionate and curious with myself in a way that I hadn't really experienced for many years. Okay. So how else, like you said, you touched on a little bit there, but like, what did yoga really mean to you? Like when you discovered it and tapped into it, what was it like for you? Like, what did it, what did it do for you? How did it take you from this insecure, unpleasant place in your life to something else? Um, It was a pause, a pause from all the mental, you know, that, that clutter, that um, the negative self-talk, because I couldn't think of, you know, how I hadn't published a paper or people were waiting for data because I was worried about my big toe and bending my knee and, you know, learning the names of poses. And so it actually was sure. a distraction and a way to learn something new about not only a system of movement, but um, I think more importantly to my, to, for me at least, more importantly was about my relationship to my, myself, my body, my, my um, thoughts about myself as well. Okay. So then what led you to ultimately want to teach it? Um, well, I wanted to legitimize, um, or no, not legitimize. I wanted to justify the, um, the time and money I had put into teacher training. <laughs> yeah. So uh, teacher Perfect. training is basically, it's like movement camp for adults. And I was, I loved camps, like outdoor camps as a kid. I loved like going on trapezes and playing outside and, 
And so, like, these immersions for movement and being around other people, they exist in the adult world, and they just so happen to be super expensive um, and labeled a teacher training. So there's kind of, I don't know, I felt like maybe I should do this, and I was moving away from what I'd intended on doing, uh, why I'd entered grad school for. So I was moving away from that. And what did you go to school for? What did you get your degree in grad school? Soil science. Soil science. Okay. Um, yeah. What Do you see any connections between soil science and yoga? I do. I see it, and I want to flesh this out more eventually. Uh, soils are a way of looking at the processes that form a landscape um, or how a landscape evolves can be read through the soils. And I think that our body, our body movements, can be reflective of how we've used it over our lifetime. So the way that soils form is indicative of our environment and, uh, you know, how our body moves now, how it functions is uh, a result of many factors, including how we've used it in uh, the course of our life. Do you have a name for your yoga business or studio? (laughs) Yeah, wait for it. It's pretty creative. It's called Catherine Yoga. Perfect. I love that. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Now, last question. I know we're getting short on time here. Last question. What is it about how you approach yoga or how you view yoga that you think makes you unique as a yoga instructor? I truly believe everybody can do yoga because all it it really is is being curious and compassionate about yourself as a mover and a breather. And even if you are quadriplegic, mute, like one of my students I'm blessed to work with, you can still reflect upon yourself as a mover and breather. Because your body moves when you breathe, basically, et cetera. Now, do you think there's any of these elements, though, of, like, your soil science background, like how you view that and, like, brings into yoga? Like you said, you're fleshing that out. Does that influence, like, a unique approach to yoga or how you approach it or how you teach it? Yeah, yeah. When somebody comes onto the mat or they come into the classroom, I don't think of them as, someone that's there for exercise, I think of, okay, wow, look at that person, how they're moving, how their body language is revealing something emotional. So every aspect of your being, of your physical being, of your you know, your presence is reflective of so much more than just that attribute. So, um, you know, just like when you see little, like, um, when you see little clods of, of dirt, you know, on the surface of of a barren desert, you think, whoa, what has torn up this landscape to bring this material to the surface? Like, you don't just see the the item or the attribute of a person, I, you as in me. <laughs> I think of, wow, what has brought this person with that attribute to the mat and how can I work with them? So, Okay. So with that lens of looking at yoga deeper, like really through this lens of like your body is reflective of so much more just like soil is of its surroundings. When you think about it just through that lens and that context, what group of people that you currently are working with do you think you have the opportunity to make the biggest impact with and go to that level and that depth with them? Is there a group? Um, I think the group might be diverse in their manifestations of like physical abilities or age, but the underlying commonality is that there's some element of um, insecurity might not be the best word, maybe a desire to accept themselves more. Okay. So, I'm so glad yeah. you brought that up. Sometimes the way we teach niches is not right. 
Chris, we're going to need to take a short break here. We're going to come back to our final segment, and we're going to have to uh, wrap this up. Catherine, I'd like you to stay over so Chris could kind of summarize the exercise we took you through. I'm sorry that we run out of time, but we need to take a short break. You're listening to The Mentors. We are speaking with Chris Smith of the Campfire Effect. When we return, Chris is going to summarize the exercise he just took Catherine through about her yoga studio in Northern California. See you after the break. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Hey, welcome back to The Mentors. I'm John Phillips, your mentor for today. We're talking to Chris Smith, and our caller on the line is Catherine. Chris has just took her through a series of exercises about learning to tell her story. We've got a few minutes left. Chris is going to summarize uh, the results of that exercise. Go ahead, Chris. Okay. 
Perfect. So, Catherine, so the first thing I want to say is that sometimes how we talk about niches is confusing. Some people will look at a niche like a demographic, like a, like a, you know, senior citizens or whatever it might be, right? More of like what they are, age, race, ethnicity. I tend to sometimes think of niches as more like psychographics. So instead of like what they are, uh-huh. who they are. Right? Yeah. So your niche could be people that were like you as a grad student. Like maybe your niche is to find people that are insecure about who they are and their body. And like, that's your niche. It doesn't have to be an industry. So I just want to point that out. Um, so I'm going to tell you that your story is on you, Catherine. Okay. All right. So here's how I might tell your story. Just after asking you a few questions, where did you grow up by the way? Northern California. Correct. Yes. Okay. So I might say, so I want to tell you a little about who I am and why I believe so much in my approach um, to yoga. I, as a young girl, I loved movement. I love the ocean and sports and trees, and I grew up in Northern California. And to me, it was a way for me to connect to my physical body. And it was a way for me to get outside of myself. And I loved being outdoors. Um, I loved going outdoor camps as a kid. And what I found is when you're young, it's actually, for me at least, it was much easier to get outside of myself because I didn't have all the noise and the pressure of the world. As I got older, I went into grad school. I had a period of time in my life where I really was insecure and had a really unpleasant time um, in grad school. And it was a, and the cause of that was I, was, I had got totally inside of myself and, and, and no longer was practicing the things that brought me so much joy as a child. And one day hiking with a friend on a beach, uh, he forced me to do a headstand. And little did I know that that one headstand would change the course of my life forever just a couple of years later. Um, so from that headstand and practicing headstands every day, I just started doing yoga. And it was amazing because the minute I discovered yoga, I started to feel some of the same feelings that I felt as a little girl in Northern California. I, I started feeling myself being able to get outside of myself and really connect to movement in my body. And it was a way for me to put, push pause on all the mental clutter and the negative self-talk. And what was so cool is I loved movement as a child and then with yoga, I found kind of this idea of like meaning. And so I kind of was able to marry those two worlds of movement and meaning and, and started to find meaning through movement. And, you know, so at some point in time, I said, like, I want to share this gift with other people. I would love to do movement camps with adults. Like, I loved camps as kids as a, as a child. And I think one of the things that happens to us as adults is we forget that we have the ability to connect with our bodies. We forget that we can connect through movement. We forget that we can get outside of ourselves and push pause on all the clutter. And so what's so interesting is the approach I take to yoga that I believe makes me unique that I really want to share is a lot of it is influenced by my undergrad. So I got my undergrad in soil sciences. And to me, soil sciences is the, you know, it's the study of soil and how it impacts everything around it. And soil gives clues and our bodies give clues. And so when I see somebody, when someone first steps onto the mat with me and I look at them, I'm not looking at them as just like a human being coming to practice yoga. It's almost like I look at them and I'm able to see like how they are the soil and then everything about their body and how they move is all of the clues of everything that's going on in their life. I'm sorry, Chris, we're running out of time here. Um, But that's a great story. Uh, I would wish we had a little more time to go through that further, but I think our listeners kind of get the understanding how those questions kind of help create the story. I know if I was in Northern California, I think I'd be looking Catherine up and start using her as a yoga teacher. Um, You've been listening to the Mentors Radio Show. I'm 
the mentor's host for today, John Phillips, and we've been talking with Chris Smith about harnessing the power of your story to increase sales. You can find podcasts, show notes, and more at TheMentorsRadio.com. That's TheMentorsRadio.com. Coming up, your CEO host, mentor host, Tom Laurie and Rick Brutico will be bringing you more great topics to help you grow your business. You don't want to miss a single episode. Find us online at TheMentorsRadio.com. And remember, be all you can be and keep a candle lit for those who struggle in the dark. It's been The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. To get more information about the program or a sponsor, to download a podcast of today's show, or to leave a question for our host, go to TheMentorsRadio.com. That's www.TheMentorsRadio.com. The preceding program, copyright CBJ, LLC. All rights reserved.